The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Well, welcome back, Googleization Nation. Uh, we continue to hope you, your teams, your families are safe, staying healthy, and that you're continuing to practice uh, social and physical distancing. Hopefully not so much social, but uh, at least the physical distancing part. Uh, we're uh, trying to get our guest today, uh, which was Rupesh Nair from uh, Symphony Talent. Um, as things go, there's uh, this shift always seems to be hitting the plans these days. So uh, hopefully uh, Rupesh will be able to join us. But I've got Keith here. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I can't believe it's like, well, it's one o'clock Eastern time, um, you know, and, and every Wednesday. I mean, this isn't unexpected. This is one of those routine things, uh, geek skeezes and Googleization um, that we do every week every Wednesday. So, uh, you know, trying to keep some routine in our crazy lives. Uh, but this morning, uh, I was actually uh, j- just a, just a few minutes ago, I was listening to a webinar, uh, as I've been doing a lot, uh, trying to listen to experts, uh, what's going on in our world, uh, trying to keep up on things. The, the news is just crazy. Um, I actually, uh, you know, I, I do try to keep up with, with the news uh, to, to find out what's going on in our country, but uh, I find it challenging for, for a lot of reasons. It, it's very aggravating. Uh, but I also, uh, uh, in fact, Tim, Tim Draper, for those who might be, be familiar with Tim Draper, uh, Draper Venture Capital, um, super, I'm a super brilliant guy. Uh, on on kind of what the future looks like, uh, you know, he was saying that uh, you basically just li- literally lifting the, your brain out of your head and then giving it to the, you know, just giving it to TV. You're giving it away, um, you know, when when you watch too much of the news. But you know, obviously, you got to keep up a, a little bit. Um, but I, I was listening to Tim and uh, another entrepreneur. It was Leah Sullivan. Uh, who founded uh, TaskRabbit in the last recession in 2008 and, you know, what some of the opportunities are there. Uh, However, uh, you know, as much as we're talking about of reopening business, getting back to whatever normal is, I I really I'm looking for a better term for new normal if anybody has it. Uh, But a couple of things that came up this week uh, that I I want to throw out there, want to get Keith's opinion and hopefully uh, Rupesh will will be able to join us. Um, The you know, certainly there was a there was a, a fair amount of discussion or conversation around things like Disney, around entertainment. Uh, about getting back to work, reopening America or work reopening the world, but, you know, reopening these events. What does that look like? I mean, you know, for anybody who's been at Disney World, Disneyland, any Disney event, um, you know, really any large event, uh, you know, having a lot of people, you know, crowded into a kind of convent, uh, a confined space waiting for hours to get on a ride or getting into a, a concert or getting into a theater. Uh, you know, all those things are sort of up in the air. And and I, the headline was great because it said a trip to Tomorrowland may never be the same. 
And I, I think that sort of summed up where we were, whether you're talking about Disney or where you're talking about your business or a local restaurant, uh, you know, going to a concert, uh, going grocery store shopping, uh, going back to work. So that's sort of like the state of, of, of where we are. Um, there was a couple things that Tim said. I just, and again, I want to throw this out there because we certainly got a ton of things we can talk about. Um, Tim, uh, again, Tim Draper, uh, and, and I'm going to end up, um, when, when I get the replay of this webinar, uh, I'll certainly post it on my LinkedIn channel. So hopefully you can you go up there and, and Twitter and, and I'll share that. Um, but his prediction is, is pretty scary. Uh, he's, he's saying his forecast, I won't say a prediction, but his forecast is that for every additional week of our shutdown, we're going to have additional year of recovery. Think about that for every additional week of our shutdown, we're going to have an additional year of recovery. And he was talking about, you know, the discussion was really about for entrepreneurs, a lot of startups, there's a lot of businesses, a lot of companies just, you know, uh, again, uh, a lot of companies started their business uh, within the last year, year and a half or two years, and they're looking for uh, new monies to come in. That's why I sort of was, was excited to talk about Rupesh, because he's, he's a little bit beyond just the last few years. But you know, again, he's in an acquisition mode and, and um, you know, looking at that. So I, I, I certainly want an entrepreneur's opinion on this. Um, but he was talking that at least from the startup world, uh, they're looking at three-year recovery period. Uh, that that the plan is, if you can make it through the next three years, you will survive. Uh, where before it used to be maybe a year, year and a half of you know trying to get funding. Um, but I, I I think that every week of a shutdown equals one year of recovery uh, is is pretty frightening. So Keith, um, you know I I know you you're talking to people every day. Um, you know you you've been like crazy busy. Um, what, what are you seeing out there? I mean, what, what, what do you, th not, not you for, uh, from an economic prediction, but what, what's the mood? What, what are you finding is going on there? Yeah, no, totally. And, and for the record, I'm no way, shape or form going to go toe to toe with a man who has his own investment firm <laughs> and knows a lot more about that kind oh. of stuff than I do. But from the, in the trenches, it's interesting to see the, uh, the I'll, I'll call for lack of a better term, our evolution of the mindset. You know, we went from being as a society, maybe even a world uh, glued to the TV to figure out what was going on. And then everyone went out and bought toilet paper. And now <laughs> people are starting to move back away from the TV because they're recognizing that, oh, by the way, it's springtime. And uh, I'm with my family and whether or not the family members are getting on each other's nerves, the idea of going out and and separating from technology seems to be coming up more and more. Um, yesterday, uh, my good buddy Mark Bressy and his company Ultimate Software had Simon Sinek on for a, a live webcast. And I taught, I, you know, Simon certainly knows a lot about what it takes for businesses to see through the short term. And, you know, even uh, with a lot of the CEOs I've been talking with, the term that keeps coming up is adaptability, you know, and I'll, I'll give you a good example. I was talking uh, with a buddy of mine, David Nason. He's going to be on the, he'll be on the show in a few weeks, uh, maybe a few months. Um, you know, he's a, I think, four-time entrepreneur. And he was, he was telling me about a company that he's helping out with, he's advising. And, you know, it's a bunch of 20-year-old guys out of college who put together a, um, a drone business, Literally in startup mode, uh, 
Um, and what these drones do is clean the outside of buildings, right? So here they are. They're trying to develop use cases and they're trying to establish some sort of uh, investment stream. And the coronavirus comes into place. So what was the first thing after they got all nervous and after they got all sorts of what not unsure what to do next? You know, the common sense or, or maybe just creativity takes over. And the idea is go get your licensing to become a disinfector. So now, you know, now they're talking to agencies inside of the New York, uh, for, you know, general area, talking about how they can use their drones to disinfect public places, to disinfect hospitals, exterior, you know, all, all sorts of new ideas come out of it. And and I think that's going to be what starts to take place. I think there are way too many entrepreneurs with the entrepreneur spirit to just sit back and become the victims. They're going to start feeling more creative because the stress levels are going to drop. And now they're going, we're going to start to see, hopefully, a resurgence and new ideas. And even when I heard you tell me about, um, I'm sorry, the guy's name escapes me. The, um, who were you just referencing? The investment guy, uh, Tim Traver. Tim, yeah, Tim Traver. Right. Um, you know, I wonder what those, what, what assumptions are inside of that one week equals one year? Because, you know, we've been talking about this for a while now, right? The, the pace of technology is such a strong advantage where if you're using it the right way, you can start a company up, get the ball moving, and it could be in something you totally didn't see coming because this, everything's changed. No, exactly so, right. And, and, and yeah. I, I certainly can't get inside um, Tim Draper's head just as I can't get inside Simon Sinek's head. Uh, you know, we'd, we'd like to. <laughs> we'd like to be able to, to to be able to capture all that. So, you know, we listen to them and we learn from them and, you know, they 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 help us talk about things, think about things that in, in different ways. I can't say just thinking about things, but thinking about things in different ways. Uh, Tim, by the way, and I, I don't know if he's the largest venture capital in in the country um or you know what the status is from a rank he, he's probably one of the most famous he's got the, the draper foundation uh and you know in in the startup entrepreneurial world he's certainly one of the most respected individuals that are out there i mean it, he's incredibly successful so you know from that regard uh, at least from that investment side he, he's certainly uh, uh, you, you know, someone that you want to listen to. Uh, and, and again, not, you know, Simon Sinek's fantastic, you know, but I've heard, I don't agree with all of his um, perspectives either, um, but it, yeah. it, 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 it helps you create your own and it helps you get in that right direction. Um, so uh, again, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't know how he came up. It, he didn't talk about how we came up with that uh, in there other than he said it, it took us a hundred, you know, almost a hundred years uh, to build up this economy. And obviously we've had some peaks and valleys and ups and downs. And even in our lifetime, you know, I, I, I you know, some, some people think I'm, I'm that old, but I wasn't around for the deep, for the, for, for the great, for the first, <laughs> for the first depression. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, and I don't even remember, I mean, I was around for the depression in the 50 or recession in the fifties. Uh, I was around for the sixties, the ups and downs in the seventies and, and the oil crisis. And, um, you know, so I, 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 I do remember some of those instances, but those were somewhat like cyclical, uh, you know, and I think this is an important distinction that, and, 
you know, and, and you know for sure, and anybody who's been listening uh, to me, uh, you know, as we talk about uh, the exponential curve, and as I saw, I, as I had facetiously now, that prior to this, it, it sort of was like an academic discussion of what an exponential curve was. Uh, and now you can ask probably any three-year-old and they would give you a pretty good description of what an exponential curve is and, and what acceleration of, uh, of a technology or acceleration of change looks like. Uh, so, you know, fortunately, the, the, not fortunately, but the, you know, by any means, but the, uh, the, the coronavirus um, pandemic uh, certainly introduced a new term and, and put it in everybody's vernacular uh, and anybody can discuss it, you know, as I said, all the way probably down to a three-year-old. Uh, but as they're talking about this, the, you know, that exponential curve, uh, you know, of changing um, behind the scenes. And, and this is where I think you were headed, you know, with that entrepreneurship. And and it would be interesting to have Tim Draper on this, this on a call like this uh, of figuring out where that came from. Uh, the challenge with it is, is where is although we are flattening the curve in most places for the coronavirus, for the COVID-19, we're not flattening the curve. And I'm not sure how we would even do it for the technology curve. The, what we were talking about eight weeks ago and you know what my book's about and what a lot of people have been talking about, that technological curve, that exponential curve, which was accelerating at an incredible rate of speed is not flattening. It's not going away. And in fact, it's probably accelerating from this. So we're before having drones, you know, disinfect a building was, oh, you know, what? A, we don't want that many drones in the air. Now, right. it's the solution. <laughs> the, the same thing is, is Tim was talking about. And, and again, I, I wish I I, I was trying to get ready for the show and, and I, was, I was saying, oh, darn, you know, this was on like at noon and I'll listen to it for a few minutes and we're right up to like 1250. Even when you called me at like 1235, <laughs> uh, I was still listening to it. Uh, so, yeah. you know, part of it is is he's he was talking about all these new opportunities that are coming out like that. He didn't mention, the, you know, yeah. the, that drone, but, um, you know, that other opportunities. But he was talking about Bitcoin, you know, that. You know, for if you asked anybody a few months ago about what do you think about Bitcoin? You go, oh, it's all these regulations. And, you know, look, it, it went up to uh, it was like up to 17,000. You know, it was valued at like 17,000 a Bitcoin a few months ago and then it crashed. Uh, and if you talk, we, we had guests on the show and we talk about blockchain, which is what Bitcoin is based on. Uh, we won't yep. get, I, I don't know enough to talk about it in depth, uh, but the, the technology was called blockchain. And, you know, we talked to people, what do we think about that as far as payment for HR, for payroll, um, for, you know, because it does add an incredible layer of security. There is a big rush to that. And, and a lot of these banks where now that the value of our dollar is going to be cut substantially because we're, we're you know, pouring two, $2 trillion at a shot into the economy. So we basically devalued with, with that, I mean, with a, with a $20 trillion economy and a $2,000, you know, injection, we basically reduced um, the uh, uh, the cost, you know, you know, like 10% and there's, there's yeah. more money than that, but they're projecting like a 20% devalue. Uh, that people were starting to look at Bitcoin as as a, as a not only as a currency, but now that there's been this rush into data of collection of data, um, 
you know, I'm sort of, and I'm rambling because I got like a billion thoughts going in my head. Um, but, you know, I, again, three months ago, four months ago, six months ago, whole lot of discussions about technology companies tracking our data, uh, about being able to identify where we are with the GPS. Now they're talking about leveraging that technology to look where, how well social distancing's working, uh, physical distancing. You know what's the movement? Uh, they were able they were were able to track the the kids that uh, the students uh, that were on spring break in Florida just a month ago. Seems like an eternity ago. Just a month <laughs> ago uh, that they dispersed. They were able to track where they dispersed to. And did a hotspot, did, did a new infection develop? So, but all of a sudden, all these concerns about data and privacy are, I, I'm not, they're not going away, but, but there, there's going to be this acceleration of technology to leverage that. And then the, the next, the, you know, the next step is that is how do we do that without compromising all our individual privacy? Right. Right. And that right there is going to be the where it gets really sticky because there's so much value. Like, I think what was missing in the conversations a few months ago, Ira, certainly wasn't really included all that much, was the need for the kind of technology that would create, for lack of better terms, uh, you know, create this kind of constant monitoring of activity. Uh, people just couldn't really fathom, or at least unless maybe I'm sure, you know, former guest Frank Diana was uh, the futurist was certainly had conversations about what would cause people to become data points. And I think there's something to be said for the the um, the need for technology inside of the business world. You know, we've certainly have been guest week after week, guest after guest. We talk about the value of, um, you know, artificial intelligence and emotional intelligence. And now and we also talk about how in the HR world, most HR organizations are behind the times. And now here we have it right now. They're completely behind. We talked about this, right? How let alone exponent like the exponential growth of using technology means that if you don't use technology and somebody else in your industry or somebody else in your building does and if they use it the right way they're going to be able to attract your employees they might be able to attract your customers and now you're looking like it's legitimate right now a lot of the companies I'm talking to there I'm talking to sales leaders right the ROI shop is becoming a much more relevant conversation because in order to get the economy going in order to get your business going again people are going to need to buy and sell things and so fortunately for me and mike we're in a position where we're getting a lot more of attention than we have been in the last say quarter or two but the truth of the matter is is that people are recognizing that they do not have technology in place i mean i was talking to a, a company where they stop. They do um, corporate visions. They're one of the world leaders for for sales trainings, and I'm talking to the chief strategy officer, and he told me point blank, Keith, there's so much I want to talk to you about with the ROI shop, but for the next two months, we're moving everything to digital. Everything's going online, which is a, it, that that could have been a six month, twelve month project mm. in the past. 
Now it's a two-month project because there's no other options. And then if you cascade that into the education field, into any real business model where there are companies that didn't supply their employees with laptops. Hmm. Right. So think about all the IT infrastructure that now has to get put into place. And, you know, where's a co- you know, how does a company take a desktop, bring it, take it home, right? You tell all your employees to, to take the desktop home. You have to go back and figure out all of the IT infrastructure and you might not have the capital coming in. You might not have the cash flow right now to actually do that correctly. So now we're seeing a resurgence in IT needs and IT demands. And going back to Draper's point, you know, where's the money going to come from? (laughs) Well, well, absolutely. incredible. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's a concern, and, and I'm not, um, you know, I'm not an economist, and, and I'd love to, for, for anybody who's out there that is either is listening and wants to do a follow-up with that, um, I'd love to have a continued conversation about what some of the impacts of this, you know, is uh, in the long term. And, and there's certainly everything from uh, we're going to have a, um, you know, in, in fact, uh, Tim even mentioned that, we, we're, you know, they're expecting this quarter we're going to have a 40 percent contraction in our economy, 40 percent. Um, you know, that's going to be the, the largest contraction since uh, 1930s, which was the Great Depression. Depression. Uh, You know, I mean, which, which, you know, which started in in 29. Um, But on the other hand, and and this is this is the interesting part. Uh, You know, I I wish I had a a huge, large portfolio, uh, you know, in my retirement. Um, But I don't. But I do have some. And, you know, certainly a couple of weeks, you know, I've lived through a couple of these cycles and, and, and unfortunately, you know, silly me, um, you know, in some of the early ones I'd panic and it's like, oh, I'm going to get the money out because it's going to be a long time. And then I'll, I'll be able to time it when it goes back, you know? And of course I missed, I missed pulling it out before the fall and I got in too late, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times just <laughs> waiting for it. Uh, so that's a really bad strategy for anybody listening uh, to be up, out there. So I, I have learned, you know, into six decades of life, uh, I, I learned to sit tight, but it's interesting because yesterday, and again, this goes day by day, I, I think there's still going to be some really bad days ahead. Uh, but that's my opinion. And you can take that what it's worth. It's not that's not investment advice, by the way. But that, my feeling is that, that <laughs> that's what's going to happen, uh, that there'll be another opportunity or two to, to get a low. But I looked at some of my stocks and, and some of them, you know, for basically a, a, an older, a, an older baby boomers portfolio are pretty heavy in in tech. And I looked at some of these and they dropped significantly. I mean, we're talking lost 40 percent of value just a few weeks ago. They're at near their all time highs. And I'm not talking Amazon. I'm talking about um, when when all this hit, everybody thought like 5G investment, um, you know, which was which really was going to 2020 was going to be the year 5G. And we've heard people talk about that, that that is going to really accelerate um, mobility and sure. technology. And every every one of the stocks that I had that was sort of betting on 5G uh, uh, sort of crashed. I mean, significant. I mean, you know, stocks were a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. They were now worth 50 stocks were, you know, I had a stock that was worth like $450 a share and they dropped to the two hundreds. Yeah. They're all back to all time highs, despite the fact that we're still have all this horrible news. We're not open yet. 
Uh, so to, to your point is, yeah, there, there's a lot of optimism and there is somewhere, somewhere there are people investing because, and again, it, it's always said that only 50% of the country owns any, you know, has a retirement plan and even 20, only 20% actually, or I, I don't remember if it's 20%, but it's a pretty low number, um, have investments in stocks. So, um, uh, mm-hmm. there, there's certainly a 60, 70% of the population that this does not pertain to, but there is money pouring in to these technologies. Yes. And interestingly enough, um, we must have struck a ner- nerve because the chat line just blew up, right? And, you know, when we talk, for those of you listening to us, whether or not you're a repeat listener or not, we are not your financial advisors. What we do talk about is how one element of the future of work may disrupt or, you know, change for the better another. And the truth of the matter, Ira, is that. You know, I think what people are witnessing is the shift of money and 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 the shift of the of value in those technology stocks really simply reflects the 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 exodus of brick and mortar type investments. And you know, a, a good Ooh. friend of mine is in commercial real estate finance. I mean, right now, again, at the risk of sounding like somebody who's um not trying to sound pessimistic, but if you just look at what's going on, right, people are now not working from not driving and commuting to the office. So there is a chunk of people that might not need to live in a city. They might move away. And if they move away, what happens to all those shopping centers? You know, there's already been talk about turning like what they call like third tier cities. Like instead of it being a shopping mall, there might be a residential park where apartments mm-hmm. are, are built and restaurants are there. So it's almost like many cities are now going to be the future. So I think when it comes to investments, first and foremost, do not listen to anything that me or Ira share, <laughs> but you know, it might we wouldn't, be, worth, we wouldn't be, if we were, we'd be doing a financial advisory show, not a uh, right. Jesus and Googleization show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, you know, I think there's something to be said about there never being an opportunity like there is now because of the way technology is going to skyrocket in in so many more capacities than ever before. Because we simply as a company or as company, as a world, we didn't have the options. And now we do. And we are up to a break. Amazing. So, and yep. still have a ton of things that we're talking about. If anybody has any questions or uh, has opinions that, you know, a, a different perspective, uh, some advice other than uh, financial advice, we don't want to turn this into <laughs> into that. Uh, but if you have an outlook on our economy, on the recovery, uh, if you agreed or disagreed on what we we're saying, uh, you can call us at 561-623-9429. 561-623-9429, uh, or you can join us on the chat at w4cy.com. But you're listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. Uh, I'm with my co-host, Keith Compagna, today. Unfortunately, it looks like our guest uh, wasn't able to make it. Uh, so we're going to take a short break. We're going to hear from our sponsors, Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions. So stay right where you are. We'll be right back.
Hi everyone, this is Ira Wolf, author of Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. I'm excited to announce that my online course, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter, is open for business. This course is the culmination of a two-year-long project and releases recruiting tips I've learned after hundreds of hours of research, speaking with thousands of conference attendees, and interviews with dozens of experts. It's all available to you in Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. To receive more information or get started, visit our website at www.successperformancesolutions.com and click on the tab, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. Imagine how your company would grow if your candidate experience earned a 99% approval rating. Well, to get to 99%, you need the three best letters in recruitment technology, XOR. Zor's text bots, chat bots, and audio bots increased IKEA's candidate conversion rate 455%. Zor decreases candidate drop-off rates, improves your candidate experience, and collects analytics for future strategies. To learn more, check out Zor.ai. That's XOR.ai. Hey, welcome back, everyone, and Googleization Nation to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ira Wolf. I'm here with my co-host, Keith Compagna. And we are doing what a lot of people are doing these days, ad-libbing. Uh, we, we had a, a great guest, and hopefully uh, he'll be able to join us in the future, uh, Rupesh Nair from Symphony Talent. Uh, for some reason, uh, Rupesh was not able to make it, uh, which is understandable because the shift is hitting a lot of people's plans. Um, but Keith and I have been having a great conversation about uh, what actually we're doing a lot of catching up uh, since we haven't had an, a lot of opportunity to do that. Uh, I've been crazy busy. Uh, I might brush productivity despite, well, I've, uh, this is my heyday. I I told somebody the other day, they, they talked about how am I adapting? And I said, no, the world is adapting to my lifestyle now. (laughs) This is about it. Yeah, this is, this is what (laughs) I've done. Well, and you've done for, for a a while, but especially the last year, uh, working remote, uh, you know, certainly we had opportunities to go out and do conferences and have face-to-face meetings. Um, but most of our world was remote. So anybody who has been working remote before, uh, this is, you know, the, the world adapted, uh, the shift, uh, the adaptation was, it was to us. And I've, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a sponge, you know, I've always been curious and, and like listening to things, but there's a lot of people that are out there that didn't have the time to do this. Uh, like we were talking earlier about, well, Simon Sinek's always done that, uh, but Tim Draper, but everybody is online. Everybody is sharing information. Uh, people who are, you know, sometimes we do it. And as a consultant and as a thought leader, uh, sometimes we, we just do it to talk to people, to talk things out. Uh, because you can read all you want, but then you just, your head gets kind of mush uh, with all, all these different perspectives and all this new information. So I've been doing, you know, a ton of live streams. I know you, you Keith, uh, I've got, you and I are got scheduled. That was the only way to get on our, each other's books, uh, <laughs> you know, other than the show uh, for next Monday. So we'll talk about that. But yesterday I had a great live stream uh, with a friend of mine. Uh, it was funny. We did a live stream, of it, which was video. Obviously the audio, you know, our podcasts are all audio. But I did a video with Ed Gordon. Uh, Ed has written 21 books on the future of work, future of labor, uh, a skill, what skills are going to be needed. Uh, he wrote his first one in 1991, so it's almost 30 years later, um, and uh, he, he's got 21 books out, hundreds of articles. He's taught, uh, you know, more of an e- economist, academic 
academic, uh, but uh, he, we, I interviewed him yesterday. And although I've known him and we've communicated quite often since um, early 2000s, almost that 20 years, first time we ever actually saw one another, spoke with, you know, we spoke on the phone, but we never did a Zoom call, you know, mm. uh, before. I mean, we, and it wasn't actually Zoom. We, I was using StreamYard, my streaming uh, software. Uh, but, you know, we never did a call. So it was like actually the first time we actually met. So, you know, despite all this disruption and people are talking about the loss of, of social contact, uh, I think there's a lot of people that are talking face to face for the first time, even even if it's on a screen. Yeah, I mean, and and we'll go. Look, I'll peel that back one more layer and think about the way families are are, are getting together. Uh, I myself for Easter uh, dinner, we made our meal. My parents made their meal. My sisters made their meals, and we all zoomed together. And it was awesome. We were laughing. We were talking over each other mm-hmm. like we would do if we were sitting at the table, and we were joking about how this is almost better because. We could, I could still drink a, a few glasses of wine at dinner, and I don't have to worry about driving home. Yeah, you know? I, so you, you wonder <laughs> if that's going to change. So um, I don't celebrate it as, as I did when I, I grew up and as a kid, um, but I know Passover you know, started Wednesday night, the first night of Seder. And there were uh, there's a couple groups I w- was in. Uh, one of them's uh, Shelly Palmer, uh, and he was a super big tech guy, and he – uh, actually was training people how to set up a remote Seder, a digital yeah. Seder using Zoom, you know, how you do that. But we also did um, on, on Sunday, we had uh, Jerry's family uh, that we, we arranged a call. And uh, all the, unfortunately, her dad was not able to be on it um, because he doesn't have wireless and he's not, you know, using a computer. But all the, all the, uh, her nieces, her, sis- her sisters, uh, uh, nieces and nephews, we're on the call. And, uh, as we said, you know, right in the middle of the call, one of them said, you know, this is just like normal. Uh, everybody's talking at the same time over one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of people just sort of left the room. I mean, you know, the camera was on, but they left and that seems to happen. People, you know, leave the table and they go, you know, especially if it's on a, a holiday where there's uh, sports, you know, any games that, you know, somebody, somebody left and, and, and watched something, somebody was in right. a, another conversation. Uh, so people were sort of, you know, it, it it, you know, it was a new normal, but it, and, uh, but everybody sort of fell into it, you know, pretty quickly. How about this one? How's this one in terms of things that I'm seeing happen, I'm participating in, and it almost solves a problem that we had in the past. And that's to say I was invited up well before the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. I was a uh, co-host for a fantastic radio show out of Philadelphia called Executive Leaders Radio. Herb Cohen and Rachel um, Blumenthal, I think I just pronounced her name correctly. Um, They've been doing it for, I think, 14 years now. And this Mm. goes back to my ADP days. And uh, I was invited to get onto a little bit of a brainstorming conference call yesterday because what Herb sees is, an opportunity. It's all about leaders. It's all about you know organizational development. And uh, what Herb was trying to figure out was how can we still keep entrepreneurs, young and old, connected. And so you know we started talking, and there was um, 
you know, uh, there's sea levels from some of the largest uh, law firms in Philadelphia. There are entrepreneurs. There were seven of us on the call. And, and, and what came up was, one of the things that came up was, was how hard it is or how hard it was, or maybe even better said, how much harder it was to connect somebody who was in their 60s at a company with somebody who was in their 20s. Because mostly this, the older generation thinks that the younger generations aren't listening and the younger generations think that the older generations are going to tell them what to do all the time. But now because there's this X factor of wanting to be connected because we've pulled apart, it's easier to put together a group that's there to share ideas, to that, that's there to, like you said, just talk and connect. And we both know that when you sit down and you connect with people, that's where the magic happens. So it's almost like this barrier that was there based off of different personas. It's kind of dissolving away and it's opening up that opportunity for more, you know, collective conversations that might spark even better ideas. So, so uh, and I'm glad you brought that up is it just, you know, I, I had a lot of other questions, but I, I th this was a real important one that was coming up. So I, I agree. I mean, that's a great point of, of how do we connect, um, you know, uh, somebody in their 60s uh, with somebody in their 30s. And, and that was, you know, mentoring up and mentoring down. And there's been a lot of problems. And how do you get boom, baby boomers and millennials and Gen Z to talk to one another and, and all that sort of stuff. This is beyond that. So a lot of people talked about the loss of personalization, this is too technical and it doesn't feel the same. Um, some of that I totally believe is just because we're uncomfortable. There's a lot of people that are uncomfortable with, you know, talking on video. The other thing though, is that if you're on video, you have to pay attention yep. to the other person. You can't, you know, if you're in a meeting, how many people are checking their texts, checking their emails, um, you know, they're distracted, they're sleeping. Um, you know, I mean, you've seen it all. I mean, you've been yeah. in, in a ton of meetings face to face because you're in the same room. Doesn't mean that everybody's connected or listening or right. paying attention or being aware. Everybody's sort of got their agenda and doing other things. When you're on video, it's hard because yeah. you need to be focused. And I've heard a lot of people say that, that, you know, they feel they're more exhausted now doing three or four zoom and it will use zoom generically like kleenex you know uh, sure. a zoom call um than they were when they were working 10 and 12 hour days because can i tell you can they i have tell to you be, they have to be they have to be paying attention i when when <laughs> when the, i've been rocking and rolling with the roi shop now for about three months when the coronavirus hit i was generally used to starting to lose my voice come Friday morning. And now here we are, it's midweek and I'm all, my voice is already starting to get strained. Like it's nonstop. And that ties into, that ties into the, the future of work. Like we were projecting it. We talk about how technology and productivity play hand in hand. Now people are going to be working from home. Well, how do you get productivity out of someone working from home? You got to use technology. Now that you're using technology, now you have data. Now you can legitimize what your expectations are. You can work 
maybe a 35-hour work week, as long as your productivity metrics are met, you can take off half of a day if you want to. And that lends itself to more of a life-work integration model versus a work-life balance model, right? So there's like all of these underlying connections that are sitting there to be exposed. And, you know, Another so, thing Keith, that so I Keith, before about, I lose this thought, let me because this is where I wanted yeah. to go before. Let me think about this because I know I think this is what we're going to be picking up on Monday, you know, as well with your live stream. Yeah. Um, so we, we there was this whole thing that if you worked from home, you couldn't be as productive. And there, there's going to be there's for people working from home, there are challenges because they got kids and, and they got two spouses two spouses competing for the kitchen table and the internet and the broadband because this whole, this came upon us abruptly. Um, but once we settle down, once we get comfortable and pe- people figure that out, do you think, or, or what's your feeling on this it, is that working from home is going to be maybe more productive than going back to work. And, and here's why I say that when we, when a business reopens, there's going to be a delay that you're going to have to go and you're going to have to wait in line to have your temperature taken. You're going to put on protective gear. You're not going to be able to be have meetings in the same room. There's going to be at a distance. So then even at work, is it going to be more convenient to do a Zoom call, even though everybody's in the same building? Um, it's going to take longer to get to work because if you stop and, and get gas and you wanted to get coffee, um, basically everybody's either going to be drive through now or what happens when you go to a convenience store to, or a Starbucks to pick up the coffee, but you have to have six feet between everybody and the lines are longer. I mean, there are going to be delays that people haven't even thought about. So does productivity actually working from home become better than going to work? Yeah. Uh, how about, right. How about retention? How about the cost of doing your job? Like to have somebody commute to work probably costs the company a couple thousand dollars a month. Or it comes out of their pockets. It comes out of people's pockets. I think we saved, and I don't even commute to work. I mean, my commute to work is down a couple flights of steps. Um, Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is I just looked at my credit card. And, well, part of it is because we're not going out every weekend to eat and movies and things. Uh, But, you know, I put in $200 of gas running back and forth to the gym, eating, running around, going, you know, running to the airport, running to a conference, going to a meeting, meeting somebody for lunch. Uh, I think I have a hundred miles on my car in the last seven weeks. Um, So it's, I mean, so all of a sudden is if I, if I had to go back to work, I might say, you know, um, I either need an increase in pay or, you know, I don't need to go in five days a week anymore. Right. But I, I think just on, on all the distractions and the disruptions, I don't think people have thought through this yet of, of you know, is it going to become more productive to do a Zoom meeting with people all in the same building than it is to call them into the same room and everybody throws on their productive gear and, and sits six feet apart? Right. And then you take it to the account that, you know, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Jason Cochran about how, you know, on the the initial introduction to what we're all experiencing right now, there's a lot of stress. And when you're in a, when your mind is in a stressed kind of a place, you're not in a position to be creative. You're not in a position to be collaborative. And so now that stress has kind of waned a little bit. People are settling in. 
And so at a minimum, we're, we're hitting one of those cycles where you're stressed, like maybe in mass society, maybe the globe, everyone's stressed, but now everybody's relaxing and they're starting to see that it might not be the worst thing in the world. We're starting to see people spend less time online, spend more time with the people that they, that they live with. Um, who knows how many babies are going to be born 10 months from now, right? Yeah. It's, it's sure. incredible to think that, one, nothing is going – very, very few things are going to be the same mm. uh, as they used to be. But nobody – number two, nobody's really sure what it's going to look like, which I can't remember the last time that took place. Yeah. Well, not – well, I, I think in each instance it did. But, we again, we sort of lived on that cycle – that things ebbed and flowed and then they changed a little bit. Um, this is everything. I mean, everything, including the, the, the very nature of our economy yeah. was collapsed. So, I mean, we, we threw I mean, if there was a tradition, um, it, it's been violated and, and changed and adapted. And some of those will come back, but they will be different or in a different context. Uh, so it's going to be changed. So, you yeah. know, you, you started out, um, I think one of your early comments talked about a mindset and, you know, I, I posted that article that I found and it was actually a quote in the book. So I, I can verify that on page 92, I said this, you know, I wrote this <laughs> three years ago and, and I wrote a couple of rules. But I, I think that the, the final message on this, which which sort of reiterates what you just said, is number one on my list of rest, rest in peace to the way it was, is there is no going back. If right. anybody thinks that we're going back to normal, um, you know, you're 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 pretty much kind of. I I don't know what the word is, but it's just not going to happen. The second was is that anything and anyone could become obsolete at any time. And 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 that that sounds pretty vicious and it sounds like horrible and to think about it. But it's true. I mean, and it doesn't mean that we die. It just means that whatever kind of the context in which we lived in and the mindset that we had. Um, we need to change that. We need to adapt. And, and, and we, as we were just talking, that digital world, you know, working from home, well, no, it can't be as productive as it was, is, yeah, but now working, going to work may not be as productive as it was, will not be, definitely will not be as productive as it was. Right. You know, and, and you know, on Monday, um, shameless plug, but I'll go for it since it's, it's yeah, our, I was our, I was, that was my cue up. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> like 11 o'clock Eastern time, LinkedIn live, Ira and me, we're going to, we're going to talk about the ROI of making business happen. Uh, you know, a lot of the conversations I where I'm having right now has to do with adapting a sales process into this new world environment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's the idea that your sales reps may never be welcomed inside someone else's business again. So how in the world are you going to make that connection? What kind of collaboration can you do? And how, if you're somebody trying to buy technology right now, or anything else for that matter, how are you going to quantify the business impact of that purchase? Because, and this isn't me because I, uh, you know, I'm one of the guys at the ROI shop, but if you're business proposal to buy something does not include how you make or save your company money, your CFO for the next two quarters at least is probably not going to approve your project. So join us live uh, Monday, 11 o'clock Eastern. That's that's 8 a.m. on the West Coast. 
And uh, I'm going to talk about some of the people I've, I've had one-on-ones with, some of the sales leaders that I've talked to, and, uh, and some ideas about how to survive better than you thought you could these next couple quarters. Yeah, and, and we're going to have that out on uh, reminders uh, beginning uh, either late today or tomorrow on LinkedIn yep. and Twitter. Uh, and yep. uh, it will be broadcast simultaneously on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, nice. So you can join that, and then there'll be a replay in case you, you do miss that. But uh, it'll, it'll be out there. Uh, a couple other things I'm doing, as I said yesterday, I did a great uh, live stream with Ed Gordon. You want to you want to hear about that because we were talking about uh, what's going to happen with job skills, uh, the future of jobs, uh, you know, what, uh, again, what, and it, what, what's going to happen, uh, going forward, uh, Friday, I'm talking with Ed Siegel. Um, I got his book right here. It just came. So I got to do a quick read. Uh, it's called crisis ready. It's a brand new book. Um, but it talks about 101 ways to prepare for, which we were a little bit past that, but before prepare for and bounce back from disasters, scandals, and other emergencies. So uh, we're going to we're gonna focus on how do we bounce back, how do businesses bounce back from that. Monday, I've got you, Keith, uh, at, at, uh, on live stream, uh, and uh, we'll be back next week with uh, Geek Skeezers and Googleization uh, with another show. Can't remember. Um, I, it's, it's one of your guests. Is it Keith Katani? Is that, is that name ring a bell? Uh, it could be. Yeah, not, not sure. So yeah, what, you just watch for that. We'll we'll have that out there. And uh, I just want to say, on uh, everybody can mark the calendars for this on April 30th. I'm doing another live stream. It's going to be 1:30 in the afternoon. We're going to have Mike Clark uh, back from Gallup. Uh, I'm going to have Lee Andress, uh, who is a really uh, she's, she's a ball of fire. Uh, on talking about the future of HR and the future of work. Uh, we're going to have her, and I'm also having Lance Hahn. Uh, who is the new editor of ERE uh, and uh, TLNT. So, yeah, so we're going to have that. And uh, hopefully, uh, Keith, you'll be able to join us uh, on that. We're going to have a panel discussion about the, what's happening up in the future. And there we've had it. We've, I guess we need to wrap up here uh, really soon. Uh, for those who are not subscribed to Geek Skeezers, uh, not, not Geeks and Skeezers, but GoogleizationNation.com, uh, go to googleizationnation.com and you'll get updates about all these events and uh, some other things that we got planned. Certainly, uh, hopefully, you're subscribed on podcasts uh, to Geek Skeezers Googleization and or you go to our website, geekskeezersgoogleization.com. Uh, I want to thank, again, Zor.ai and Six Success Performance Solutions uh, for helping us be on the air, for being our sponsors. Uh, and... To, Join us next week, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, W4CY.com. Uh, you can now get some of our shows. We're putting them up there. It's also on YouTube. So you can go to YouTube.com forward slash IbraWolf. And uh, we're starting to put some of these shows up on YouTube as well. So until next week, this is Ira Wolf and Keith Compagna. Don't let the shift hate your plans.